is the designing the ideal rep experience. We have to think about what they go through on a daily basis and have some real appreciation for the challenges that they face. And I've had conversations with people in technology about that ideal rep experience. The rep is no longer judging their experience based upon the experience that they had at the last sales organization that they were working for. They're judging it based upon the experience that they have with everything that they are transacting with them. This is Sales Ops Demystified, the number one most downloaded podcast in sales operations. We invite the brightest minds in sales ops onto the show to deconstruct the what, why, and how behind rep productivity, forecasting, metrics, and all things revenue. This podcast is brought to you by EBSA, a revenue intelligence platform used to identify risk in the pipeline and score customer engagement, and is sponsored by the Global Sales Operations Association and the UK Revenue Operations Network. Hello, and welcome to another very special episode of the Sales Ops Demystified podcast. Today, we're joined by Dana Terrian, who has been in sales ops for a while. I'm I'm seeing from LinkedIn approximately 20 years. We'll dig into that in a second, but currently senior vice president worldwide of revenue operations at Genesis. Dana, welcome to the show. Thank you, Tom. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Was I accurate with the 20 years? Yeah, unfortunately, yes. <laughs> uh, 20 years and you know longer than that working, but 20 years in sales operations, especially. Incredible. And you've actually previously worked, so Akamai, this is a while back, but we had a, another guest on from Akamai, Jennifer, I believe, who was just absolutely incredible. So some, some awesome Time Warner Cable, some awesome names on the resume. Um, can I ask first about the first transition into sales ops? Uh, which role and why did that happen? I was, it was back in 2000. I was doing an MBA program at Boston University. And you get to be pretty close to the people. They, they call it a cohort. There were 30 people in my cohort. And there was actually a guy from, from Northern Ireland who I became quite close to. And we, we were just giving each other some peer counseling and talking about career and aspirations. He's the CEO of a bank now. Um, but I asked him for some candid feedback on my background and what he thought. And he said, well, looks like he could use some formalized sales experience. I said, well, that's, that's a good idea. And then when I finished the, the program, it was in June of 2001, there was an opening. I was working for Lucent Technologies and Avaya at that point. We'd been spun off at Avaya. They had a, a job opening in the sales organization called the Chief Operating Officer for the Sales Region. I said, well, that sounds like an important title and uh, something that I'd like. I, I'd always gravitated towards operations. I had a background in operations, and it was a way of me getting into sales, but also maintaining my operations background. So I became the chief operating officer for Avaya's New England region at that time. And that's when I, they didn't know what to call sales operations back then because it was sort of a new field. And that's what they called it. And that was my first real job in sales operations. And I was the business leader working alongside the, the VP of sales uh, for, for New England. 
and I've, I've stayed ever since. I, just, I had a passion for it. I loved it. It, it combines operations with, with the people element of it. It's a, it's a puzzle that needs to be solved in different ways every single day. And when I'm recruiting people into my organization, a lot of times I'll bring them in from finance and from other places and say, there, there's a human element to this that you probably haven't had an opportunity to experience, especially when you start talking about sales compensation and how to motivate salespeople and how to reward them and how to goal them. There's a whole other element to it that's really attracted me to this profession and kept me here. Out of all the, the various experiences that you've had in sales ops, which was the one where you think that you grew the most as a sales ops leader? Oh, that's a great experience. That's a really great question. I, I, so I've been in sales operations for quite a period of time. You noted that I, I, I was at VIA and I went uh, to Akamai. I did a year there. There was a sales leader that I loved at Avaya and he got promoted and asked me to come back and, and be his operations leader. And I, and I did that. And then from Avaya, I spent another five years at Avaya and I worked around in a bunch of different companies. And then I started to say, well, this drama seems to be the same. Like I'll go from one company to the next company. They'll have the same set of problems. They'll have the same dynamics going on between sales and, and the CFO and product management and marketing. And I felt like I'd seen all those problems and solved all those problems and I was getting tired of it. Um, but then an opportunity came for me to join Serious Decisions as, a, as an analyst. It was, a, it was an opportunity to go back and be the college professor of sales operations after I had been working in sales operations for a long period of time. And I think that is where I really had an opportunity to reflect upon what I'd done up to that point. It's very difficult to write about what you've done and to create research on that because now you have to explain yourself and you have to back that up with facts. And after a year as an analyst, I went, I led that advisory practice for serious decisions. I was exposed to a couple of really great people. Uh, the, the two owners of that, that company, they, they developed me. But I, I got a closer relationship with marketing. I got a greater relation, a greater understanding of what marketing does because serious decisions had so much resource in the marketing department, they had so many wonderful marketing leaders there. And I understood the value and their, their, the value of that organization, not just from the resource that they produced, but the marketing organization under Jay Gaines at Serious Decisions was a, was a, I mean, it was just, it was empowering for me because they built my brand as an individual. And they really made me, I, I say all the time that I'm LinkedIn famous. They made me LinkedIn famous because I was doing all of their speaking engagements. I was traveling all over the world. I was meeting with customers. I know so many CEOs now as a result of that, especially from some of these sales performance management um, vendors. It elevated me to a whole different level and it built relationships that I never would have had if I hadn't had that exposure and been able to do that at Serious Decisions. And later they were acquired by Forrester. So that was transformational for me. And it's, honestly, you probably wouldn't be speaking to me right now if I hadn't had that in my career because I wouldn't have this this recognition from people out there who, who, who speak highly of me and who I've worked with. Sure. I mean, just for the audience's sake, um, you spent about 13 years as a practitioner in sales ops. And then with that, like a five-year, I don't want to call it a break, but a five-year role where you were as part of Serious Divisions, which was acquired by Forrester, who, where you're not necessarily being a practitioner, but you are researching, creating content, advising. Is that accurate? Yeah, absolutely. And it was a way for me to stay in a sales operations career, but to change the profession. Now, now I became a, uh, a researcher and somebody that had an opinion about things that were happening in sales and sales operations. And honestly, it's, it's a really tough decision 
from there to see if you ever want to go back to being a practitioner because you, you get back into it and, and there's a lot of things that happen as a result of being a practitioner. There's lots of different kinds of problems that you have to solve. So it was a conscientious decision when I joined Genesis. It had to be the right role for the right company at the right opportunity. And there, there's so many good things happening at Genesis right now. And my decision to join Genesis, I, I mentioned that I came from Avaya and 20 years ago, that, that market was under assault just from, from technology. So you had Avaya and you had Nortel and Cisco. And we were talking about competing with companies like Microsoft. I couldn't imagine in my brain how I could compete with Microsoft. They weren't a telephony company. And companies like, like Zoom didn't exist. And you never heard of WebEx. And things were coming from all the different places. So over 20 years, this has evolved greatly. You know, Avaya went through bankruptcy, Nortel went through bankruptcy, other companies have had their challenges. We've had lots of new players come into this market. And I feel like it's 20 years later, and we now know who's emerging on the contact center space as the clear leader, and it's Genesis. So when, when they came and asked me if I was interested in leading sales operations, I said, well, no, not, not sales ops. Let's talk about RevOps. And we can get into that in a minute. But yeah, absolutely. It was like a Shakespearean drama coming to a conclusion for me where I was in this company that went through all that transition. And now I have the ability to go and lead this big function inside this unbelievably fast-growing company. And I get to be part of the market leader. So it's the reason why I, I chose to be a practitioner. And I chose it because of Genesis. And it was in a market that I was familiar with and one that's been through hell for, for 20 years. So it's such a cool place for me to be. And, and I think because I, I'm doing that, I have the ability to go out there and recruit some unbelievable talent. We've hired a lot of people in the last year, and I'm really helping them to understand, number one, the benefits of this profession, but also the benefits of being in a company like Genesis. If, if we were publicly traded, we would be mentioned in the same sentences as Zoom. We're, we're growing that fast. Amazing. I've had, I think, three people on from Forrester, and I always love asking them this specific question because they just have insights from the future, it seems. What, what do you think is one of the big trends that's impacting the world of sales ops right now? Well, revenue operations is, is what's really happened over the last couple of years. And because I was at Forrester and Serious Decisions, and I saw that trend happening before I joined them, I was, the, I was really the, the one that I think was most vocal about it back then. And, and for that reason... A lot of these vendors really glommed onto my message and they started to repeat the things that I was saying. So revenue operations is the consolidation and better collaboration between marketing operations, sales operations, customer success operations. That's that's happened. And it's almost boring for me to talk about it because it's so obvious that that was supposed to happen. But back four years ago when I was talking about it, especially inside of a marketing um, resource-driven company like Forrester, and serious decisions, nobody wanted to talk about it. I was quite controversial. I was supposed to do a, a presentation at the Serious Decisions Summit, I think three years ago now, in front of 3,500 people launching this idea of revenue operations. And I got to tell you, like internally, I got so much pushback from the people who were in the marketing services that they didn't want to do it. In fact, the person I was supposed to co-present with backed out of the presentation, didn't want to get up on main stage and talk about it because they thought they saw it as a threat to marketing and what could happen to marketing operations. And it turned, turned out to not be a threat whatsoever. So that, that was the big change. Now, I think it's the, not just talking about revenue operations, but how things happen differently inside of a company. We, we, we've stood up a, an operating committee between sales operations, marketing operations, customer success ops inside of Genesis. 
And it's a love fest between the three of us. And we are just working together and solving problems and figuring out how to better align. And there's none of that, none of that stovepipe behavior that we all predicted was going to happen. But the next the next big thing, and I, I've not wanted to talk about this because I just think it's such a big idea. And I think people will probably want to attach themselves to this as well. But I'll I'll talk about it for the first time on your podcast. It's it's the designing the ideal rep experience. We have to think about what they go through on a daily basis and have some real appreciation for the challenges that they face. And I've had conversations with people in technology about that ideal rep experience. The, the rep is no longer judging their experience based upon the experience that they had at the last sales organization that they were working for. They're judging it based upon the experience that they have with everything that they are transacting with them. So that, that especially means technology. And they're, they're using technologies. I, I gave a presentation with Scott Foy from Akamai last September, I think, or October, where we talked about fitness technologies and how far they've come in helping individual people like, like wannabe athletes like myself improve their game. And they do it through coaching and through gathering information and giving them some prescriptive insights into things that they should do next. And reps are really reeling for that information. So if, if you've got... Uh, a CRM instance that's just terrible to work with, and the, the process is awful, you're, you're costing them money, you're costing them time, they expect to have some work-life balance, they don't want to come to work to be frustrated every single day, and they're judging the technology stack inside of companies based upon the technology stack that they're paying for out of their own pockets on a daily basis. So if, if they're subscribing to Netflix, if they're using Waze in the US, which is a really cool driving app, if they're using self-driving cars, if they're using Strava, if they're using Garmin, if they're using Fitbit, any of these applications, Plate Joy, that's, that's the standard by which you are being judged inside the enterprise. And if, this, if, the, if the experience sucks for the individual inside your company, they're not going to stay there any longer. And the war for sales talent is real. They're going to go to the place where their experience is delightful and where they can improve their productivity. So... The ideal rep experience and the, 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 the criteria against which we should judge ourselves inside of companies is whether or not the individual salesperson would be willing to spend 75 euros or, or $75 a month out of their own pocket for the experience that they're, that they're receiving today. Because they're going out there and they're purchasing productivity apps on their own and they're, they're paying for a lot of them. They're probably not willing to pay for the tech stack that you have in place inside of your company today. And that's what I'm trying to transform inside of Genesis. And those vendors who are involved in this with me know who they are and how they're going to help me do that. So we need to raise the standard for, for, for technology and the experience that reps are having. That, that was a long explanation and maybe it's not all that revealing, but I think it's the most important thing that we can do. Designing the ideal rep experience. That is the goal of sales ops today. Uh, absolutely. And because how else can you improve productivity of sales reps other than doing it one rep at a time? And what needs to transition, especially when you start talking about sales forecasting, is the, the model that we followed in the past over the last 20 years is you get on a forecast call on a, on a Monday and it becomes a, a conversation around interrogation and intimidation. What did you do last week? You start, to, you start to check the facts. Did they do what they were supposed to do? Are they lying to me? Are they holding information back? Are they sandbagging? Are they over? Do they have happy ears? That, that's that's a ridiculous conversation for us to have from this point forward. Uh, so it needs to go from interrogation and intimidation to inspiration and coaching. 
Like the, the same way many of us are using fitness applications like Garmin. You look at what you did over the last week and now Garmin is giving you some suggestions on what you should do next week to improve your own individual performance. And when you follow their, their advice, you can see things improve and you're amazed and you just keep doing it. And when we can swap that out and, and have conversations with them on a day, on a weekly basis about, hey, th- this is what happened. We can see clearly what happened because it's all been recorded for you. So therefore, you're not wasting any time on administration. Uh, here's what the result was. Here's how you're trending against other sales athletes like yourself. And here's some things that you can do to improve and, and, and really up your game. How can I help? So it changes the dynamic and it really changes the conversation. And some of the other things, like just inside of companies like, like Genesis, it's the 21st century. We've democratized information. Anyone can gain access to anything, including people from a business unit, from finance, from marketing, and they can start to challenge us on the things that we're doing in sales and ask us questions. That's a different dynamic too. And one, one instinct that some sales leaders could have was we need to shut this down. We, we can't afford to expose all this dirty laundry. And I say the opposite, like it's exposing those things that, that makes us better and, and having people challenge us. They need to do it responsibly. Like you, you can't have this culture of zingers where they go in there and they look for something wrong and then they call you out on it and say, hey, dummy, you did this wrong. And we're all, we're all suffering as a result of that. You need to be a lot more responsible than that. You need to go in and say, I, I noticed that something happened and we could probably help you guys out. So many different gems that I've just pulled out of that last section. Um, <laughs> but is that a big question. revelation that we should improve the, the ideal, we should create mm. an ideal rep experience because we're, we, we really are in a war for talent. And if you can improve sales productivity that way, if, if, you, can, if you can get people to comply voluntarily and to, to work on their own development, it, it reduces the cost of administration. And look, let, let's face it, fascism doesn't work. It, 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 it diminishes productivity and nobody wants to live in an environment like that. The freedom is, is what works and people coaching themselves. Mm-hmm. Final question for me is, who in the world of sales ops would you most like to take for lunch? Wow, because I know so many incredible people. Man, I, you know, because I, I, I know so many of them and I'm so afraid to slight somebody. There's a guy that I got to give credit to, you know, and in mentioning his name, I'm immediately going to upset five of his competitors. But I've had a lot of interesting conversations with him in the past. Um, yeah, so you know, I'm not, I'm not going to mention it, but dead, I, he, dead, dead. He, he's somebody that I would. I said if if somebody was going to discover the god particle of sales operations, it would be this person because he's just such a strategic thinker and he's thinking ten and twenty years down the pipe and, and, and what's going to happen. So I've really admired some of the innovation that I've seen. And you know, if anyone ever wants to reach out to me personally, I'll share that with them, but I'm not going to broadcast it. Yeah, yeah, there we go. For anybody listening, if you want to know the, the uh, Einstein of sales ops, then you can reach out to Dana. Alex, I'm going to hand over to you for a couple of more specific questions, please. Great. Thanks, Tom. Um, and thanks, Dana. That was really enlightening. And I, I also just want to to follow up, I suppose, on, on those those last two bits. So I suppose the big, big trends of, of sales ops, you said, so RevOps is the, the trend we're, we're sort of in, maybe getting to the end, and then the ideal rep experience. And I don't know if I have a real question. I could, I could waffle myself. I think it's going to be much more enlightening just to ask you maybe to expand. We didn't really get to talk about, about revenue operations. So what's the, what's the sales pitch to, to those people who are still living in a, in a sort of more siloed operations world just to, to, for RevOps? When, 
when they were interviewing me for this role at Genesis and they said that they were looking for a sales operations leader, I said, I'm not interested in leading sales operations. I'm more interested in running revenue operations because the the customer experience needs to be seamless from from the first time you from the first contact you have with them. Let's say lead all the way through renewal and the multiple renewals that they'll have with that company. And the vendors in this space have really driven that convergence of technology and the experience. And they did it irrespective of what the silos were. So they didn't care that marketing and sales and customer success weren't speaking to one another. They just went out there and created solutions that drove that alignment and gave you the ability to see everything from end to end. Um, So I said, I, I would much rather lead a revenue operations function. And here's why, because even though... Sales operate. I mean, marketing operations and customer success operations is not going to report directly into me. It doesn't matter where it reports. I do want to build this coalition and, and Carrie Cunningham from Serious Decisions and Forrester coined this phrase, this, this phrase of a coalition of the willing. Because we started getting so hung up on organizational design and that's what really intimidated people. He said, you can't have a coalition of the willing. These people that voluntarily want to work with one another. So that, that's what I've done at Genesis is to build this coalition of the willing and people look forward to the meetings that we have on a biweekly basis and they're contributing to it and they're solving problems together. So don't think of sales operations as just solving sales problems. Think of it much wider than that and how it's going to integrate back to marketing and customer success and how you're going to influence that customer journey. Brilliant, thanks. And it was exactly what I was thinking actually as you were, you were talking in that the big focus with, with revenue operations has really been the, the customer journey. And you know, yeah. making that experience seamless and, and 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 setting that up, and that just to me was such a pivot to your second point of designing the ideal rep experience. Because the operations role is then obviously equipping the go-to-market teams to do that. And and if we're thinking of the seamless customer journey, then of course the logical other part, you know, the sort of the yin to the yang is, is as you were saying, the the ideal rep experience. And actually, it's exactly the, the skill set that everyone's got working in this area because they're they're doing it for their you know, their, their customers and their prospects. So why not do it for the, the teams? Is that a fair assessment? Yeah, it's definitely a fair assessment. Yeah, one, one more thing to follow up on the on the revenue operations. When, when I joined the company, they put out an organizational announcement. So they, they offered me a job as the the uh, the leader of revenue operations, but then the org announcement went out as a um, leader of go-to-customer operations. I said, what happened to revenue operations? They said, well, you know, some people inside the organization got a little bit nervous about that. They think you're going to try to do this land grab. <laughs> and I said, well, you can call it go to customer operations, but I'm not changing my title. And uh, they, they ended up coming back around, especially when they realized that I wasn't a threat. So I understand what people are going through in their companies because there's some political aspects to it. But getting back to your the IDEO rep experience, when I joined the company, I asked to, to see a list of all the different technologies that we're using and it's tens of millions of dollars. And I think at Genesis, we bought one of everything. And they're not synchronized into an overall package that's designed to help improve the overall rep experience. So there's a, there's a leader on my, my team. He's the VP of, of Revenue Enablement and Development. And I asked him to think about it differently. Instead of thinking about what training and enablement should look like, is, well, what are we really trying? What kind of experience are we trying to get the, the rep? From the day that we hire them to the to their onboarding until you know their fifth year with the company until their twentieth year in the company, what what should that experience be? And technology is a piece of it, but also the training that they receive, the exposure that they get, the opportunities that they receive. I, I said, think about it more in, in terms of just onboarding and ongoing training in the typical webinars. Think about it in terms of the technologies that they're going to use, 
the the way that we're communicating with them. You guys are communicating through a podcast. We're launching these things internally to, to Genesis now. And, and what they could expect to see in terms of career development and support, that coaching that I talked about from, from Garmin, what should that experience be? So that, that's where I started talking about the ideal rep experience. I wanted him to think more than more than just training, more, more than onboarding, more than enablement, more than content. But how do you package all these different things together to improve the life of a rep? Thanks. Yeah, and I've, I found the, the sort of the B to C, you know, analogies and, and you know, the, the Garmin and things of that, you know, that and, and, and the, the, the tech that people are interacting with on, on their own personal basis are, you know, really compelling because we understand there that the, the user experience is so paramount and, and maybe... We've lost that when we're trying to equip our users. Um, so super insightful. Thank you. Yeah, I think in sales operations, we spend a lot of time thinking about how to get more out of a rep. And what we should really be thinking about is figuring out how to help them get more out of themselves. Like giving them the tools and the technologies and the training and the information and the coaching and the inspiration and the desire to want to go out there and just continuously improve their game. And it's changed the way that I interact with the team of people that I'm responsible for. We've got a wonderful HR business partner, uh, Emily Berger, works for Genesis. And we've had conversations about what my role is. And really, I'm here to create a culture where sales operations, revenue operations, anyone that's inside of this organization feels free to take risks and to come up with ideas and to try those ideas and to potentially fail at them. And that's really working. And what's, what's ended up happening is that Every conversation that I'm having with people on the team and that they're having with me is a coaching conversation. You know, telling me, hey, Dana, you know, you, you could probably work on this and I think we should be doing this. And I'm having conversations with them. And it's not that intimidating once a year performance management conversation that we have. It's, hey, how was your run this morning? That <laughs> was the worst run of my life. And, you know, I, I probably need to focus on my diet and getting more sleep. To, to coin that analogy, so it's it's more about continuous improvement and, and being quite frank with one another about what's working, what's not working, and not waiting to the end of the year before you have those types of conversations. You need to change the culture. Focus on culture and sales and revenue operations, and the rest will take care of itself. Thanks, that's, that's really helpful. I just and your your emphasis on, I suppose, being a partner with with the other other team, so not 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 a land grab in the same way that you're the partner with your your sales reps and and you're looking to coach them. I think it just shows that you know modern attitude to, to business as a whole that that's really working its way out in all the different um, the details. And I think uh, there's a lot for us to learn from that. So thank yeah, you Yeah, and that transparency thing that I talked about too. We're, we're a transparent organization. We, we expose our dirty laundry. And look, I, I had a conversation this week with you know, a senior leader inside the company that was using this information as a battering ram, you know, pointing out the issues that, we, we, that we, we, we have, the things that we've done wrong, and using it as zingers in emails. And I, I called them and said, hey, you're making it hard for me to be transparent here. Like uh, I, I'm all for sharing information as long as you're willing to participate in this and help me be a better leader and help the organization be better. But it's not helpful when you're using it to point out fault. You know, you know, if you're going to point out fault in others, you have to look at the fault in yourself first. So, and he he appreciated the, co- the coaching. I said, the last thing I want to do is shut this thing down. Don't put me in a position where somebody forces me to do that because it's not going to be good for either of us. Brilliant. Thank you so much. I think we're probably at, at time, unfortunately. Um, so, yeah, Thomas, we jump back in. Bye. <laughs> awesome. So, I mean, there are three things that I want to just highlight to summarize here. Obviously, the the your passion for defining the idea of rep experience and, and really like the, the 
and the absolute sense that makes in the future for sales ops people. Next is, and connected to that actually, is the shift from interrogation and intimidation to inspiration and coaching. And then finally, it was almost like an offhand comment that you made uh, referring to not sales reps, but sales athletes. I think that's also a very healthy mindset for anyone listening to to adopt. So Dana, this has been an absolute masterclass. I want to thank you so much for coming on. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, Alex. This has been a lot of fun. I really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Sales Ops Demystified podcast. If you are listening on a podcast listening application, then please subscribe, rate, and review. And if you have any questions about the show, if you know a guest, or if you have any questions about sales operations, just hit me up at tomhunt at ebster.com. That's tomhunt at ebster.com.